0: Holy shit, you're back. Thank you guys so much for anyone who listened to episode one and wants to double dip and come back and listen to episode two. Very cool of you. Uh, if you're just skipping episode one altogether and you're a new listener and now you just want to start an episode two, that's fine. However you decide to get my dumb voice into your head, I'm fascinated by. I cannot believe that you're doing it, but I appreciate that you are. It means a lot to me. That being said... Uh, Launch week went well. The first episode was well-received. I really loved everybody's responses. A lot of people loved my guests. Um, Overwhelmingly positive. Uh, A a lot of people had a lot of nice things to say about it. My very close friends, they ripped into me about some of my worst habits. But even they seemed to like it. So if I can impress those assholes, uh, I think I might have something here. But I'll leave that up to you, the listeners. Uh, Feedback is always welcome. You can message me on everything. Snapchat, stefabro93, Twitter, at stefabro, Instagram, stefabro93, Facebook, Stefano Sanzo, like whatever, however you want to get back to me, sanzostefano at gmail.com, like I'm all ears, I want to know how I can improve this experience for y'all, it's been a great experience for me so far and I look forward, I have all sorts of guests coming in guys and they're hysterical or interesting or charming, there's reasons for you to want to listen to their stories, to listen to them talk about what good enough means to them. And, you know, my questions that I ask everybody, they're going to start changing now that people know the podcast, but, uh, overall I'm going to keep the theme in line and I have some ideas. I mean, we're still in the first few episodes, guys. I could, I could change the format, mess around with it a little bit. If people have suggestions, you know, I'm all ears, but so far I love what I'm doing with it. I'm I'm really having fun. Today's guest, uh, is a is a friend of mine who uh, who actually I used to he's more of like an arch nemesis uh, arch he used to be an arch nemesis at least and uh just kind of one of the guys one of the many people in stand up comedy who pick on me constantly we actually used to run a show together we'll host a show together we'd both go on stage and uh, be the host in between acts and kind of just bullshit with two mics and had a lot of fun doing that and I feel like we we had that going again with this podcast as far as, you know, that old dynamic cuz that show has since fallen apart. But this one hasn't yet. Woo! Still totally can. But I'm going to keep making it until it crashes and burns, right? Speaking of crashing and burning, uh I'm going to full disclosure with you guys. This episode fell to fucking pieces. I'm not exaggerating. It was my second episode, I was super nervous. And in the middle of it, I flubbed so hard that I had to be like, basically told my producer, like, Lou, I have to stop for a second. You have to do a lot of editing. Like, I, I, I lost my train of thought. I got what, – what it really was is Stash was being it, – it, it it, I was trying to figure out how to relate to him, just kind of open him up a little bit. Because this episode two, I didn't even know what this podcast is yet, and I didn't really discuss much of a format with him beforehand. So that was my bad. But here's the great thing for you guys. Great news is – You will have no idea where it happened. My producer, Lou, who will be on the podcast in the future as a guest guest because he is a fascinating person. And I'm sure you guys are going to want to know what's happening behind the scenes. But he made that disappear. So while a terrible flub happened that destroyed the episode, crashed and burned, pumped the brakes, literally like, oh, my God, it was so bad. He edits it in a way that it just sounds like a natural conversation. But I want to do that less and less. It doesn't happen on any of the future episodes. And I just want to be fully open with you guys and upfront. It did happen with this. It didn't go as smoothly as it sounded it went. It's a hysterical episode. It's a sad episode. Not a sad episode, but we hear about some of the darkness that creates a comedian. And Stosh tells some very interesting stories that uh that i think you guys are gonna love but again you'll never know where the flub happened if you if you know if you could try to guess it you could tell me I, literally me and lou neither of us even know where it happened and lou's the one who edited it and i'm the one who fucked it up <laughs> so so it's that it's that smooth of a transition but with that being said i'm gonna let you get to episode two with stash makita episode two of good enough thanks for coming by again guys you're the best. Cut and a songs so I wrote this one we're not the best but we're good enough let's start the podcast now it's good enough and we're here what's going on everybody it's uh it's it's your host Stefano Sanzo and of course I have a a guest in the studio today who is a Former arch nemesis of mine turned kind of friend just because of how much we work together. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir.
1: Stash Makita, everyone.
0: Stash Makita, everybody. Really good to have you here. Yeah, um, thanks
1: for having me here at this studio that looks like it was imagined by every drug dealer I ever had. <laughs> it's it's
0: I, I like it, man. I like it a lot. It's, it's a cool crimson color um i love uh i, I love the uh the, the sound insulator things i don't i don't know what you call those the uh the con- the, the condenser foam, yeah, whatever foam. you want to call it. i'm not sure how much help it does but man does it make this place look official but uh yeah we're over here at royal fox studio shout out to you guys uh put together a great space for recording podcasts but um so yeah welcome to good enough stash uh this is the second episode of this podcast so um
1: that's yeah, a great name for your podcast, isn't since it? that seems to be your goal with everything you do <laughs> Yeah, good enough
0: literally man literally i I get as much i get my level of satisfaction out of things and god I'm just trying to change the connotation of that phrase good enough because i it's definitely associated with uh with uh how should I say not necessarily fragrance but mediocrity as- it is associated with mediocrity and i i may may maybe I am on the mediocre side but um, I think so many people do end up being like some level of mediocre and that's okay. Like mediocre, I, I mean, mediocre in America is still better than like 90% of the world's population, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So
1: you're ahead of the game. If you can hit mediocre,
0: literally, if you could wake up and, and just kind of make it to the end of the day, every day in America, chances are you're doing all right. Right. I suppose so. So Stash, um, not to make it too heavy here, but uh, how are we gonna make the world a better pra- place?
1: Oh boy, let's let, let's backtrack. Podcasting, definitely. Let's
0: let's. Oh, god damn it! I knew this was gonna turn into a roast. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know that's how I communicate. Dude. I
0: know, especially with me. All right, actually, we'll, we'll backtrack. We'll backtrack a little bit. What makes you happy, Stash? Because god damn it, you put off such a sp- spiky curmudgeon exterior but i know you have a lot of great joys in life i know there's a lot of things that you enjoy especially in pop culture and media but like what are things that truly make you like like i I mean even still like things that you love i feel like you still have lukewarm reactions to like what what are what's things you love what makes you happy what makes you smile stash uh
1: art artistic achievement
0: uh, like personal artistic achievement or artistic achievement in general? Things that you just, could appreciate? Uh,
1: in, enjoying it. Um, I love Mad Men. I, I have a constant rewatch of Mad Men going because I believe it's the best television show ever made.
0: I haven't watched a single episode.
1: It's incredible. It looks uh, really good. The characters are so fleshed out and well written that like, by two seasons in, uh, someone could just a look on somebody's face can be a huge impactful moment. Uh, stuff like that really does it for me, and just um, you know, art in general. Like, I follow a ton of artists on Instagram, mm-hmm. and just anyone who's striving to be better than good enough. <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> and achieving it, I mean, that's that's like my biggest joy in life.
0: Right, right, yeah. No, I I I share that with you, man. I love art. I love any anyone any cr- creative endeavor. People trying to get after it. I love supporting uh, local artists or not even just local artists, just artists in general, like commissioning things from, from artists. Like if I, if I have the scratch to throw it, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm never the kind of person like you're the worst person in the world. If you ever tell an artist that it would be great exposure like you got to offer them something yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna ask you know if you if you need require like an artist services of any sort whether they be a musician or a painter just anyone who does anything creative photographers like if they have a skill that you lack and you're requesting their services you 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 pay them what they ask you're not offering them a, listen man there's going to be a lot of people there. Going to get a lot of eyes on it. I'm telling you, man, it's worth the exposure. It's not worth the exposure. They need to keep their lights on. They need to put food in
1: their mouth. Yeah, I'm all for that, dude. I need dollars. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Give me money. That's that's uh, that, that's that way better than whatever exposure you're offering.
1: Yeah, speaking of supporting local art, I'm going to see a uh, local production of the Great American Trailer Park this weekend, and I'm super excited about it.
0: What's the Great American Trailer Park?
1: Uh, it's a musical... Uh, I feel like I should about know that. drama involved, like in this trailer park. So all of the debauchery and drama between all these trailer park residents. That actually
0: sounds fantastic. It's hilarious. I would love. I I don't. Why don't they get cast in something like that? That sounds. That sounds right up my alley. But um, yeah. So 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 arts your arts guy. But like, so it's, so Mad Men was is the thing that you've been like most obsessed with. Um, well, that's what I've seen too, from from you.
1: Yeah, as far as television goes, yeah, I I have a constant rewatches of Mad Men and Deadwood going at all times. Right. My two favorite shows.
0: Right. I let's see. The only thing I right, I the thing that I rewatch the most probably Futurama and Parks and Rec.
1: I'm both ab- great shows. I'm
0: obsessed with both of those. And those are the kind of shows that like I could watch watch. Yeah. You know, like like pay attention. And and just what you were talking about. Those little moments where like a character makes you know squints their eyes or a character says a line differently or or you know there's smart little things like like those shows are so well put together that like so so many things are conveyed by those little moments but at the same time like i love those shows just because of the color palette like yes it's great 100
1: percent, they're great to fall asleep exactly
0: too. they're great background stuff that's what
1: i love uh light-hearted comedies for is like falling asleep to mm-hmm. them or just like relaxing at night uh but like during like regular hours, like most of the time, I prefer to get my comedy from drama, which is a weird thing. But
0: oh, let's talk more I, about that. I like. I that. just
1: always feel like the you laughs in a oh, exactly. good drama are so they mean so much more. A thousand percent, dude. Because you've done all this work percent. to create the tension You're that so the comedy right. is then breaking.
0: You're so right. Yeah, no, because like, like, all right, great example of a show that's. So jam packed with humor. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a show pound for pound with more jokes in my life. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I laugh maybe once or twice an episode because it's such an oh. There's they do not allow any tension to build up in between humor, uh, and and so much of a good laugh is the tension that builds up to it. And I'm not saying that you can't have someone roll, 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 like, like punch, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. That's absolutely possible. And maybe like stand up comedy. Yeah. But as far as a sitcom or like a, like a romantic comedy in a movie or something like that, if, if you're just forcing the joke every single second, it's hard to get like a real laugh. But like when it comes to dramas or like a good action movie, every laugh hits like every, uh comedic moment, like, like all the Marvel movies, man, those laughs in the audiences, those are some of the biggest laughs I've ever seen. And and you know,
1: yeah, there's there's something visceral to it. Yeah, like if you make somebody cry first, then the laugh is worth way more that follows after it. Hell yeah, because it's like a laugh from your it's soul.
0: That's not, not a little lesson for uh for life there, Stas, that you're not even meaning to put out. You know the that 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 whole uh, drama, that that tragedy humor connection right there. That's huge. Yeah, man. I mean, well, the whole it's thing huge. is
1: like without without the lows, you could never have highs. You it's know so what I true. mean? That's not like something I came up with. That's just. You know, people have been talking about that forever, but it's true, and I, I think it extends into into art as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah, man. If 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 a show or a movie is just nothing but happy good times or nothing but jokes, like I'm not not saying- that I
1: don't appreciate a Schmidt or a Thirty Rock oh, or I something like it. that. I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, I just it it's more cathartic the laughs that you get in in a Mad Men mm-hmm. or a Deadwood.
0: Just like it's more cathartic the laughs you get at like damn, like a, like a funeral or something like that. Like, yeah. like, 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 uh, or, or like, you know, something, you know, something terrible happens to you, like a really bad thing. Your fir- the first friend to make a good joke to kill that tension, man. That's the funniest laugh of the year. You know, you know, when, yeah. when, when you're in the deepest shit and you, a laugh is just needed, you know,
1: that's been my job. in like a bunch of friend groups over the years is like, you know, there's, I've been at a lot of funerals where it was like, I was the guy to kind of break the tension cuz you mm-hmm. got to find like something to say that's funny but also doesn't detract from what's going on, you know yeah. what I mean? Just like finding a line. Yeah, no. that makes you remember them fondly and laugh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, weaving that uh weaving that line there, it's 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 not it's not as easy as it seems. It's not just you're not just getting any kind of laugh. You got to honor the person you know, in in, a, in like a tragic situation, you still have to honor them, but like you also have to honor the moment, like you got to make sure that all your points are checked. Otherwise, god, a bad a bad joke in a bad situation. It, you are Satan. You're hit. like have you ever been that person who pat- cracked the bad joke in the bad situation oh, all the time when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. more I more mean, often than not.
1: Comedy is so much trial and error, oh, so not much. just once you start doing stand up, but like the years leading up to you deciding to start doing stand up, mm-hmm. there is so much trial and error with comedy,
0: unbelievable amount. And it's great, dude. You know how
1: many women I had to blow my shot with in <laughs> in order to get funny enough <laughs> to go on stage? To, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, man those those years leading up to before before comedy and com- and and you have such a different perception of what humor is supposed to be. Uh, co- like comedy actually takes it adds so much fun to humor, but also takes a lot of fun of the of humor out when uh, like once you first start and now you kind of look at it from the back end of things and you 're like an- you learn how to analyze jokes and like, yeah it 's like ah god it's like uh, makes
1: it I, hard to enjoy some of the stuff that you enjoyed before
0: oh a thousand percent dude like like even when you 're like you 're watching someone kill who you like, and as badly as you just want to laugh along with the audience you 're trying to be like. Oh, I wonder how many times it took him to figure out how to say uh, "ass cream" instead of "ice cream" or something like that. Or I oh, wonder that's how- not
1: the stuff that gets me. Um, I get the stuff where the things where it's like, "Oh, that's way lazier." Like I gave it too much credit before starting doing comedy.
0: Oh yeah, no, you got, yeah, I, I, I could see you being like that, like a, like, like really critical of it. Like figure, well, that yeah. comedy teaches you how to be a comedy critic. Cause once you're, you're a critic of yourself, naturally without trying, you're going to critique your peers and even your heroes. Yeah. Like, if
1: there's somebody that's great, I could still watch and laugh. Like the last Nate Bargatze special, I have watched probably double digit amount of times already. Yeah. Well, yeah i've heard fantastic has only been out for like two months yeah that's
0: that's a lot (laughs) for a comedy special at least
1: he's just got like such a way about him uh where it seems effortless even though there's so much thought put into it right that i i love watching that guy is like when they talk about how comedy could be an art i feel like he's right up there in the examples of that
0: absolutely dude um so how is humor like how have you used humor to get through some of like the more I don't know like like maybe the darker points of your life because as a comedian I mean it, it kind of goes without saying that you've dealt with some dark shit nobody nobody becomes a comedian because they've uh I don't know every single thing went right for them
1: Yeah for sure <laughs> like that's uh, not
0: that's that's not a that's not a, I'm I'm doing like on, the only people who do comedy after they're successful are like Famous people who have no business doing comedy, you know, yeah. like nobody wants to see them. It's not funny. um they're just kind of using their their fame ticket that they already have to kind of like pretend, but like like but so yeah, for you like wh- how have you used humor to get over uh some of some of the darker things that you've dealt with in life?
1: yeah I mean when when I was younger and there was a lot of tragedy going on in my life, I would just like fall into watching uh sitcoms or watching. Um there used to be when I was a little kid before you were born it was like MTV and VH1 when they first started would have like these half hour comedy shows all the time uh so half
0: hour comedy specials or shows
1: Yeah, half hour comedy specials.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my god, Comedy Central used to have awesome uh comedy specials as far as like what they aired up for stand up comedy yes. like the blend yep. half hours like all uh comedy remix i used to watch all that stuff when i was a kid that was prime even Unless before it
1: was comedy central was like the comedy yeah, channel yeah the comedy or channel i ha think i just missed like that. that and uh they would have like in between shows they would show like sitcoms and then in between them cuz they didn't have a ton of sponsorship. They would have like these two minute stand up clips of people and stuff, which was always pretty great. Right. I could remember being like uh, seven years old and seeing Norm McDonald's half hour MTV Comedy Hour for mm-hmm. uh, the first time, and he had this joke on there that was like both dark and alt at the same time, and it was really like the first time I was exposed to either of those genres of comedy. Right. But he had this great joke where he was talking about cliff diving. And he was like, there's not a lot of distinction between cliff diving. There's really only two categories of cliff divers. You're either grand champion or stuff on a rock.
0: <laughs> I remember this one.
1: Which um, that has been stuck in my head my whole life because it was a dark subject and I was experiencing a lot of dark stuff in my life at the oh, time. Oh, I like that. And it was just weird. And it just clicked with me so hard to like a little seven-year-old me was telling this joke about divers dying in school. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true.
0: Before, when you're younger, how many comedians jokes you were just straight up stealing before mm. there, you know, you're not a comedian. You don't know how to write your own jokes yet. Like, and I mean, obviously you could tell jokes as a kid, but like, you're absolutely stealing comedians. Yeah, left. That's
1: how you learn how to tell jokes. Left inside. and
0: right. Oh my God. I, uh. I don't know if I could recall jokes that I would have stolen, but like, I like that idea of like jokes that ring out to you for years and years and years. Like one that comes to mind uh, a lot early on for me, like stuff that really, oh, God, there were so many, but Jim Gaffigan and Dimitri Martin mm-hmm. were two that I really clung to when I was what, in like middle school. Um, and Jim
1: Gaffigan, like, it was. It's it, hard to eat without thinking of Jim Gaffigan. Oh, uh, he's, he, covered, he's, he's like, conquered food. Thank you. Because you, mine was going to be a food joke. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you're eating, he has some great joke about it that'll get stuck in your an head. Incredible joke about yeah. it. But
0: his, his er, an earlier on one, he said, uh, "The meal isn't over when I'm full. The meal is over when I hate myself." Yes. And as a you know, at the time, self-loathing fat kid, like nothing speaks to you more than I. It's it's like. No one ever summed up my feelings over abusing food than that one statement. It spoke to me on such a like, holy shit, is he talking to me? Yeah. Um. I have
1: so many uh psychological issues around food my whole life and also grew up in one of those houses where like my grandparents raised me and they were from the Depression era. So if X amount of food was made or ordered, you ate that. Whatever, so I remember mm-hmm. being like seven years old again, like eating an entire spaghetti and meatballs from Italian pavilion because that's what I wanted, and it will I had to eat it, yeah, you know what I mean, so it was like three quarters of the way in, you start sweating, and it's just like, well, this is work now, yep, food is work, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no i i dude you're 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 telling me, man, no, from a very young age, I mean. I mean, I love my parents. No, they're 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 the best. But like, they didn't. You know, they were, uh, hard, you know, hardcore off the boat Italians. So yeah. they believe, and they had three kids.
1: Well, every every generation is raised by morons. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to stuff like parenting, because parenting changes so much, so much. There's over always a so much inner info. How much information has come out in my lifetime about? nutrition and stuff It's unreal a lifetime insane Dude, 10 years yeah five years this stuff is increasing exponentially so we can't we can't judge the people who raised us Abs- oh yeah no, by, no I, I don't I don't judge my season. parents at all so I don't, I ju- no don't I'm just all. backing you up on that yeah. like you know what I mean I'm yeah, sure you they should. did their best
0: exactly no they did their oh, I, I had this tweet a while back it was um what do you call it your adolescence is spent being mad at your parents and your adulthood is spent realizing they did their best yeah like like you can't like like as as pissed as you, you like early on you're gonna naturally be rebellious I think it's programmed into us uh to, to get rebellious toward uh our parental figures when we're younger but n- no matter what as you become as you've progressed further into adulthood yeah you're and start to realize that like now I'm four years older than my mom was when she had her first kid and I'm like Holy shit did she nail it. Yeah. Like the fact that she was able to do what she did
1: It's almost like um
0: I you, can barely raise a cactus.
1: You remember the joke in 40-Year-Old Virgin where he's like, you put the pussy on a pedestal? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, That's another line that brings out to me. Yeah. As as a kid, your parents are the pussy. <laughs> 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 and until you take them off that pedestal and start thinking of them as the human They're beings with flaws people, that they are, man. you can't be an adult.
0: That's it. You know what else helps me out with, like, not just uh, with parents, but in general, like, being more kind? um, uh, not not just being more kind, but like being more understanding of people is that you realize that the kid like there's kind of an age where you develop an identity that will you will always witness yourself through. So like right now and forever, I'll probably always be about seventeen year old me. I'm twenty six year old me who's going into twenty six year old problems and getting older and older. But like. I'm still basically that personality. And so many people, like, you know, it could be a 45-year-old dad hanging out with one of his 45-year-old dads at a party, you know, and they have kids in college and all that stuff. But at the yeah. end of the day, the, those are still two dudes who are basically 17-year-olds with mortgages. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – like, you keep on thinking, you're well, now that I'm 26, I'm going to feel like a 26-year-old. That's not – really how it goes man like like you don't really get out of that mentality you just kind of get dealt with more stuff as you can handle more things
1: but you shouldn't feel like you're 17 years if you're 26 the most you should feel like is your 21 year old self because (laughs) no matter what age you are if you don't hate yourself five years ago you haven't worked hard enough
0: oh god damn it okay that's that's not that's a pretty decent that's a pretty decent point but like i've never really hated myself either like that's not really my style.
1: There should always be things that embarrass you about yourself five yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, I, if you've no, done the proper work on your mental health, constantly.
0: No, I'm always improving, but like, I don't improve with like a basic. All right, so I don't hate myself. I don't hate things currently, but like, I don't even look back at things and like oh, I hated that about myself. It's just I didn't know I didn't have the proper tools to deal with that problem at the time. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even know it was a problem when it was, but like. I try not to practice much self-hatred because that gets into some pretty dark uh, – that could get you into some pretty dark holes. It's more about self-love, self-forgiveness. Like, that's how I improve myself.
1: Yeah, that's probably a healthier way to do it. But <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like the moment I start forgiving myself right. for things is the moment I'll start accepting the worst in me.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, well, all right, so – uh, I've made a couple of big turnarounds. Catholic upbringing, yeah, very, right there. very, just living with that guilt for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made a couple of big turnarounds, you know, in in my life over the years. But I, uh, like, uh, it, it was all based on, like, like I said, self love, self forgiveness, not not necessarily hating who I was at the time. But the problem, uh, you know, uh, being a positive person, you know, people think, oh, this this kid's just. Lives on a goddamn rainbow. He's never, you know, nothing gets him down. Like, like, uh, it, it's all good and cheery. And and for the most part, that's kind of how life is. However, uh, one of the big uh, backfires, uh, one of the big drawbacks of being positive is it could turn into complacency yeah. real quick. Real quick, man. And that's what I realized my biggest problem was. It was never self-hatred. It was never... that that positivity like even at my worst like my heaviest or like my least successful whatever you want to call it um my biggest pro it's not like i was depressed it was just this i was all right with it you know being all right with being in a bad situation is almost just as bad as you know anything else as far as uh as far as not getting your not getting your shit together
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: but uh so like how when you when you so you practice so what is do you practice self like that self hatred you're talking about it's not your current state
1: no definitely not okay cool i'm uh so you
0: can enjoy your progress you can enjoy your pro the progress you've made in the moment
1: yeah i just won't let myself get because i find when i allow myself time to stop and celebrate anything like even if it's like and stand up like if i have like just a a killer set like i'll have this set of my life or whatever it'd be Mm -hmm. like if i allow myself to concentrate on that for a while it will cost me like two maybe three months oh yeah progress oh i agree 100 percent. no
0: once uh i celebrate and then i put it behind me yeah that's part of being in the moment is is you know like, part of being in the moment, it's not just appreciating moments when they're good, but also letting go of good moments. Like, that's a huge part of it. That's a yeah. huge part of the healthy way of being in the moment. You can't just uh,
1: – you, you you can't just – And even parachuting yourself down with realistic expectations is so important. So, like, let's say you – I remember one time I got to open up for Mark Norman and uh, – That's so awesome. Do, like, 15 minutes in front of him. I didn't have, like, one joke that didn't do well and just – like he quoted a couple of my bits to me after it. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so great. And then I had to mentally tell myself, like, it can't be like this all the time. Just nope. so you know, a week from now, you're not going to feel like this. And that's OK. Another big thing will come. And more of like what we were talking about earlier, that, like you can't have the highs without the lows. So true. Which is like just something that I have to tell myself all the time. Otherwise, I will stagnate in like in self-loathing. Yeah. So there's been a lot of periods in my life where I did that, and to, like through therapy and through just uh, thinking about myself more positively, I've managed to to find like a, a certain amount of balance. Anyway, still room for improvement, but always, always. Um, right. it was just a big thing that I struggled with for the longest time. Like if something good happened to me, I would almost feel guilty about it because I knew bad times were to follow <laughs> and then i would just get in a funk for like that's, months
0: yeah that's very classic no i know exactly what you're talking about man and that sounds like there's a little bit of catholic guilt in there still with uh you know this is really good it must be bad <laughs> yeah i i like this a lot so the bad you know, is right around the corner yeah, I'm, I'm i'm about to be punished for that but that's that's also what you're describing sounds a lot like anxiety too that oh yeah I like,
1: definitely like, i have anxiety and panic disorder oh right um right. i get my bouts of depression which doesn't really hit me as hard anymore. I've like I've done a lot of good work.
0: That's awesome. You think would you attribute any of that to your uh weight loss for if, for folks who don't know Stash personally, which is probably a lot of people listening um if if you could give them a little background on that.
1: Yeah, um I lost about 85 pounds over the past like uh year, just that about is a year. That's spectacular, Stash. Um, that's so awesome to hear. Still doing good work there. Hell yeah. But even even before that, I found like I used to get panic attacks pretty regularly. Um,
0: what would a panic attack for you consist of? Like you know you're having a panic attack, you know you're having an episode. Yeah, it, it
1: just it. it feels pretty much exactly like a heart attack. Uh, have you had a heart attack? No. Oh, okay. No, it's uh, but you have all the the same symptoms. Your heart oh, Jesus. will start racing. Here's how fucked up your mind is. You will feel your heartbeat or take your pulse, and your brain will make it. Different than what it actually is. Oh, so you might,
0: that's some Pavlov shit.
1: Your brain might make you miss a couple of beats of your pulse so that you think you have an irregular heartbeat or something Why? like that. It's ins- I don't know. <laughs> Why like, would a brain do that? Talk. And I haven't had a panic attack since I started comedy six years ago. And I think the reason for that is um, they say a, a lot of a, a panic attack is like your body producing this adrenaline that it doesn't know what to do with, which sends you into fi- flight or fight mode. Right. And when you do comedy, you're putting yourself into flight or fight mode all yeah, the time, <clears throat> especially when you're first starting out. So it's really you're managing your journaling regularly. Yeah. Oh, that's so a cool I feel way like to look at it. performance <clears throat> in general has been incredibly helpful with uh, with panic disorder.
0: That's so cool to hear. So that's the so panic. Do- this, so how many of the things are you actually diagnosed with?
1: Uh, all the things that I just said. So, 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 it was like panic disorder. A, uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? It's called like generalized anxiety and and panic disorder or something like that. Yeah, I might be combining two and, there.
0: And are you currently in therapy?
1: Uh, not at the moment. No, I can't afford for therapy right now. Yeah, but I I was in therapy for a good while. I did a st- uh, a stretch in the psych ward, um, and then had <laughs> mandatory therapy for a while after that.
0: You want to tell the listeners a little about that? <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, sure. Uh <laughs> Kevin, well, I, don't, I
0: don't I don't care to just gloss over the stretch in the psych ward. That's my, saying, uh, saying that like you went to the grocery store last week, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my father who I had like a weird history with, he uh he overdosed on heroin and died. I went on <sighs> I, I dealt with that by going on a complete party bender, uh just running from it for like three or four years and Eventually, I overdosed on pills and got stuck in the psych ward for a little stretch.
0: How long we talking?
1: What do you mean? How long was the stretch in the psych ward? yeah, it was either a week or two weeks. Oh okay. it was like fifteen years ago, I can't remember if it was a week or two weeks, but um do you remember that was a great experience. Do you remember
0: any of the party uh blur that oh yeah, for sure was it awesome?
1: <laughs> so much of it was awesome like. <laughs> Somebody recently, like
0: I know, I know I want to focus on the healing aspect yeah. of all this, but like I can't help but imagine that the parties were insane.
1: Like I was in a, I was in a, uh, a conversation recently with some comics, and somebody was like, "Have you ever been in a threesome before?" And I got to say the line, "I've never been in a threesome, but I have been in two foursomes, <laughs> or a foursome and a fivesome, if you count the morbidly obese man who is watching from the couch jerking off." <laughs> 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 What the fuck? His name was House. He was a cool dude. His
0: name was House? Yeah. That uh that's that's gotta be a massive person to earn that nickname.
1: Yeah, he was gigantic. Um and he sold cocaine right. and would have like these debauchers parties at his house. I'm
0: gonna so, venture to imagine that House is no longer living.
1: I couldn't imagine that he is. <laughs> I mean It's been like 14, 15 years and since, he must have since had, I, what, I knew him a
0: year and a half left at most. Dude. He might have died at five
1: that. or six hundred pound guy doing a lot of cocaine. He might like, have
0: died at that party, Stash.
1: It's possible.
0: <laughs> that is fucking crazy. OK, so the psych ward and and you said great experience as in like it did bring you back to reality.
1: A hundred percent, dude. I was, I was in there with like my roommate was a guy who tried to slit his throat because. Slit his own throat. He tried. He slit that, his own throat.
0: That is the absolute ballsiest of suicide attempts. this guy
1: was on track to be a like uh an ivy league graduate i don't remember what school he was going to he bought his first like five speed car uh like a little coupe uh he was king of the world you know what i mean the future was limitless for him sounds like it immediately crashed it got brain damage uh he still has the wherewithal to know how smart he was before and how not smart he is now that is like such a specific torture tortures, yeah it was like uh like a real life flowers for algernon scenario
0: i'm not even gonna pretend to get that reference stash ah uh,
1: it's a, a book they made a movie about it called like charlie or something like that um but he was just tortured his whole life it wasn't his first attempt to kill himself it probably wasn't his last and I was in there just with people with the worst problems in the world. I'm and waiting
0: for you to tell me about this being a great experience. <laughs> was this all great for you?
1: It was it was eye opening, it was perspective that I needed because I had all these like tragedies oh, okay. in my life, but yeah. comparatively I was in there with some real run down saps, dude.
0: That all right, I like that a lot. That's and cool. It it made me I mean it sucks, but yeah. Yeah,
1: it just made me realize how small my problems were compared to some other people and made it easier to to deal with them right also i had sex with one of the gals from in there so that was a nice that's pretty awesome
0: it was kind of super nice. cool
1: yeah she was very attractive uh but also she was in a psych ward for a reason right like in the middle of
0: you were not the first crazy person she fucked stash no let's be let's be honest that's, the middle, that's her thing
1: in the middle of sex she actually said a line to me do you know that when two people have sex their guardian angels have sex at the same time she's oh. a real boner killer
0: you sh- wait was she a patient yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. For for a second, I was thinking, uh, thinking that one of the no,
1: I wasn't fucking a nurse, dude. <laughs> that would have crazy. been so badass. You know how dope I? I would. <laughs> you'd be so much cooler. I would cooler. open every conversation with yeah. that if I got that's, put that'd in be a the psych fir- words.
0: That'd be the first thing you'd say every time. Yeah,
1: dude. No way. Um,
0: well, but that's yeah, cool.
1: That perspective was uh, was great for me.
0: I I agree with that. As far I think that's a good place to start with positivity about life is perspective, but I think it's. I think it's really important to eventually shy away from ha- – like, you don't want to need someone to be worse than you to be happy. It, like, like, I feel that,
1: that no, perspective but eventually – No, you need to turn- know that it could be worse. Absolutely.
0: Oh, it could be worse. But you need to know uh, – like, perspective is great, but just gratitude yeah. for what you have. Like and despite- I've always
1: been a stubborn person, so I needed, like, visual aids – to right. to find out that it could be worse you know
0: yeah no i mean that's that's that one will do it that one will do it for sure but uh like i said just to appreciate what you have
1: and then i still had to do a lot of work for years after that because of I, course the work is never at, over after i got out of there there was like a, a five-year stretch where i was like um i don't think i'm ever gonna get any joy out of life so i'm just gonna eat and drink and drug my way into an early grave like, I was just like, I'm just going to go do all the debaucherous things that will lead me to be dead by 40.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty rough way and to that, look at it. Yeah,
1: that took a, a, a few years to, to get over that.
0: Okay, so so now that we've gotten kind of in that mindset, let's backtrack to that for, uh, earlier on question, Stash. So you've actually done some real work into uh, making a happier, better life for yourself for sure. Uh, between the weight loss and you seem to have done a lot of mental work um, that doesn't uh, maybe, maybe it, maybe your appearance is reflecting a lot of what you've done on the inside. It seems like you've done a lot of work in both ways. Well, but. yeah.
1: I mean, nobody gets to be like 320 pounds in and be mentally healthy. You're right, man. I mean, as a
0: person who was 324 pounds myself, I yeah. agree entirely. Yeah. you. Mean,
1: I'm all for like body positivity and accepting people for who they are. Yes. But, to get to morbidly obese status, uh, there's definitely some work that needs to be done mentally
0: for sure for sure, no, no, Bo- body positivity is great and all. I mean, it was absolutely invented by fat fat people there's, there's, there's I mean, but like okay there there's there's body positivity and then there's delusion. like we're not gonna pretend that it's healthy. I don't yeah. like that's one thing that i'm I, I, I won't do. like okay, fine. if you want to say that's uh, beautiful, it's something that you you, you, you know you think a, a morbidly obese body is beautiful. great. You know, I, uh, as a person who was a morbidly obese person, I could tell you right now, I was not treated as an attractive person ever. And I am, uh, because I've, I've been treated as an attractive person here and there now as a not so unattractive person. And I could tell you that you, uh, that the rest of the world is probably not going to see you that way, but it's fine if you see yourself that way. But glorifying it, uh, making it like, uh, you should never think that it's okay. Cause it is a sickness. Like if, if somebody is a... In-the-gutter alcoholic, you're not saying, well, listen, man, that's just how he wants to live his life. It's like, yeah. no, you love that person. And it is a and di- yeah, an addiction along it's the It's an same addiction, line. and it's a choice, and you're killing yourself, and you should probably get some help for it,
1: you know? And uh, probably a more politically correct way to say it was, like, you have to tame your mind before you can tame your body. I, like, if you're dude, a morbidly obese person. Like- dude,
0: 1,000%. Because... I all right, so so I'm gonna talk more about this in a solo episode, but like, so I was at 324. I lost 100 pounds, got down to 224. Right, dude, that
1: was bigger than my biggest. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, you you didn't know me at that weight. I never weight, knew Sasha. you were that. Okay, big. here's
0: the thing. A few months later, I'm heavy again, and that's about when you guys meet me. So I put on 80 pounds after I lost 100. So on top, so once I got that 80 back, I'm like, all right, dude. Took you your entire life to get up to three twenty four, yep. Yet, it took you a year and a half basically to get almost back. This is not a physical problem. So I spent in so while I was losing the weight again, I spent a whole year of my life figuring out what was wrong with me that got me there because I'm not depressed. How the hell am I doing? Like, what is my issue? So yeah, I figured out complacency. Lack of discipline. I spent an yeah. entire year of my life just adding discipline to my life, trying to figure out what discipline was. Yes,
1: discipline has been huge for me. Uh, and little and dumb und- things. Oh yeah, understanding the difference between punishment and discipline is what freed me. Yeah. But go on. Like um, taking showers instead of baths. I always loved like a, a relaxing bath, like before work in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I felt like it de-stressed me and stuff. Right there's a certain like decadence and laziness to a bath that's inherent. So standing up for the shower, uh, puts me in a better frame of mind, making sure I make my bed every day as silly as that sounds is no, it's so huge is incredible. One of the things that they, they, they taught me in, um, in the psych ward was that I crave or I need routine. Uh, doesn't have to be everything is routine but right. there's there's certain things where i just need routine in order to keep my mind the way it needs to be yeah so so i
0: love a good ritual man yeah brewing coffee in the morning like like with the mr and coffee a lot paper of th- uh paper filters and everything what we you saying
1: a lot of the things i was doing like drug wise and stuff it was like the ritual and the routine was part of it for mm-hmm. me
0: yeah so many people say that it's not just about the high it's and even
1: about- even overeating a lot of it is uh, that too because there were so many times where i would be like solo pounding a fucking pizza where i wasn't getting any pleasure out of it nothing it was just a thing that i did exactly and you know what you ever like no different than like
0: cracking your knuckles before uh, getting in your car. Like, yeah. you know, no, you ever, different.
1: you ever be like binge eating something and you just have tears coming out of your eyes and <laughs> not particularly. And you're just like fighting to get through it because that's the thing that you need to do in that. Oh, moment?
0: as far as finishing food goes. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily tears in my eyes, but yeah. Uh, yeah like forcing myself through it. Like it was a task that needed to get done. Yeah. Like a like there was some importance to it or something like that.
1: I used to have that. Like there was a certain thing, like, you know, like little Caesars, the high $5 hot and readies or Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. I had this weird ritual. This is more like needing routine. I didn't have the right routine to replace it. I had this weird thing where I would go get a $5 hot and ready and a diet Pepsi from little Caesars. And Every piece that I ate when I got to the crust, I would take a bite of the crust, take a swig of the Diet Pepsi, swirl it around in my mouth, and then chew up the soggy crust. And there was like a – like a almost like a serotonin spike from that yeah, that I don't wear c- – just because it no was joy. my weird routine. Right. And no matter how – that shit is gross.
0: Yeah, it's not. The, none of that is tasty. It's shitty soda in a shitty pizza. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so uh, making just starting starting routines uh, 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 what has been so important.
0: Yeah, no, no uh, routines were huge for me. Um, positive routines. Yeah, yeah, positive routines. That's another thing. Just, just, and just practicing like uh, like I said, practicing discipline, like taking on responsibilities and and taking on uh, just just owning up to shit. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like I think the talking about crying while eating. Is probably almost like hack at this point, because mm-hmm. like people will say it jokingly all the time. But when I say like, you know, sitting in a car trying to get through pizza and crying, I mean that literally. That's like insane. Like a hundred percent. I've I've never
0: been there. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like like obviously we got to the same place. We were both uh, we were both obese. But like, it was never. Oh God, it was almost like part. It was almost like celebrating all the time for me. That's that's where I would put it. I was never hate eating i was eating because i'm alive and mm. eating is great eating is one of the f- most amazing things to abuse because like the other day just uh you know it's not gonna kill you like that one that one pizza won't do it you know it won't like any fit person could eat in a large pizza and get over it you know yeah so in that regard it is kind of like a great drug but uh but yeah for me it was more like i'm always partying that was kind of the mentality like there was always like yep. dessert after lunch dessert after dinner like dessert yes, after every meal you know what i mean like at the end of a meal you still have to eat something to because
1: the treats make you feel something yeah i don't know oh, god yeah it's so weird yeah. now it's like i'll be like at work and it'll be like 10 o'clock time for my banana Eleven o'clock time for my yogurt, dude. Twelve thirty time One, for my a, a million percent. little thing of pasta salad. That's me. No,
0: I, I have uh, I have that with uh, water. Putting away water. So
1: yes, dude. by ten
0: a.m. every day, I drink a half a gallon of water. That's uh, you. You could you could hold like at least during the week. On yeah. um, the weekends, it's a little harder to stay. You know, because my my schedule switches up. I'm, I'm not at work. But yeah, during the day, by ten a.m. every single day, I've chugged half a gallon of water. By twelve, I've put away another thirty two ounces, and by the end of the day, I've drank at very minimum a gallon uh up to like a gallon and a half of water by the by the end of the day yeah I
1: can't drink that much uh but I do do the same thing like i you know those thirty three ounce bottles of Poland spring like mm-hmm. the big Poland spring i I drink one of those on the way to work, another one before lunch, and then another one that lasts me for the rest of the day, so Perfect. it's like you're also not 90 something you're
0: not as active and not as like big for sure so 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 you don't you don't require as much water yeah but i kind of make water like part of my training regimen where like like uh i want to push it to the limit i want to see how much water i could chug back every day and
1: (laughs) oh man i've never felt more old than this conversation right now talking (laughs) about how much water we drink dude
0: hey man we did it we (laughs) that's that's uh I guess that's uh I guess that's growing growing up, man. That's it's why I like getting uh, excited about talking about water with your friends.
1: I've taken on a bunch more creative endeavors since starting to get in shape because like all the things you have to do to get in shape are the most boring things in the world, like tracking water and calories and stuff like that. It's so true that I've taken on like uh more like I don't just do stand up now i also I've been painting, I'll do like graphic design I stuff on been the computer. So bad. I'll um, just anything, where it's like no, all my activities I'm doing aren't boring adult stuff. Look, right. I still do right. other shit too.
0: Yeah, you got to keep the kid, uh, the kid inside you alive. Yeah, you yeah, gotta, you got to stay creative, um, especially creative types like us. So like, if, if for for, I feel like stand-up comedians could branch off into absolutely anything, which is kind of what I do as far as like, I stand-up started something for me that like ended up being like, well. If I could do if I could even attempt this crazy fucking why on earth would anybody subject themselves to this kind of abuse, this kind of anxiety in front of, you know, untold amounts of people like it kind of gave me the courage to go after the other stuff. Like I didn't do theater in my entire life until I did stand up, stand up, just opened the doors for like, you know, I'm just it just made me confident enough to do it. Uh, to do all that stuff and yeah getting on theater ended up being one of the most gratifying things i've ever done and i didn't do it despite what uh what kind of i i kind of gets associated with my personality especially in the uh comedy community but like i'm not a theater kid i didn't do theater in high school i was yeah a, i mean you get almost you could call me a jock because i was on the football team but jesus christ i did not play i uh, i sucked
1: but yeah, you're like one of those hippie jocks that i feel like every every school had you know what i mean yeah
0: here's the thing never even smoked weed in high school so like <laughs> like i was like i kind of wore the like i i was i had hippie ish qualities but I didn't yeah just, i never smoked weed until i don't know i was like 19 or 20 years old uh You're still
1: like a peace and love type of dude
0: oh i'm definitely a peace and love type of dude i it's all spring like it's all that's kind of like my exterior but like there is a darkness there is a rate like a seething
1: rage inside me that of course like, there is no one could be as performatively happy as you no, all the time God, without no, no. having some darkness inside no them. <laughs> no
0: you, I, th- I i hope everyone sees right through it i don't want people to think that like i want people <laughs> to give me more credit for like not letting that monster out ever you know what i mean like yeah. i i get slam dunked on. like that's my place in the comedy community i get slam dunked on Left and right by people I could kill with my bare hands. They're all,
1: they're, but, but you, I would never do such a like thing. You also like alley oop it to the people dunking on you, constantly. nonstop. <laughs> no, what I
0: what I say today. Nobody puts themselves more delicately on a tee than I do. I yeah, just, I just place myself there almost. Like- like, like, almost like somebody who wants to get robbed in the ghetto, you know what I mean? Like, they, they like, purposely make themselves very susceptible to it. Like, that's yeah. kind of...
1: It's fun to play, like, the Costanza sometimes, It you really know?
0: is, man. Like, that's been... Like, it's It's not just my role in the comedy community and, and all my friend groups and my family. I've, I, I was the youngest. It's just part of being part of being Stefano, part of being me is just like, I like people like slam dunking on me, man. It's fun to see what people, I'm kind of like a great practice dummy. Cause I'm never going to hurt you for it. Like if yeah. you want to, if you want to practice your insults, if you want to practice like saying, some, or like just being mean to someone like, I'll get over it. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, uh, just hope the monster never makes it out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, we're, we're getting toward, toward the end here uh so one thing so if we could backtrack thinking yeah. about all this stuff again think any of this stuff like uh do you know what could, might be able to make the world a better place Dash? <sighs> it could be simple don't overthink this one I, I i know you could probably say something like watch more mad men
1: man i really honestly you you said it but i think that would make the world a better I place i fucking knew it <laughs> I honestly do. Um, watching that show, it'll help you like see through a lot of the the shit in life that is bad and evil. It gives you, it'll give you a better understanding of psychology, because um, it's that well written, right? Um, yeah, watch more Mad Men.
0: I love that, even though I. C- I could have guessed beforehand that this would this entire podcast episode, no matter how many different topics we jump to, would end up being a plug for Mad Men, and I set it up.
1: Yeah, I could have done it. I could have. I could have brought out specific episodes and quotes and stuff like that. Um, I do fight myself to not talk about Mad Men a lot. I know, maybe I shouldn't. Have what to the 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 first thing I did when I started dating my current girlfriend was get us on a Mad Men watching. Uh, schedule <laughs> yeah that's probably something it like have. i have to share this with you because this is that important to me
0: right right so big question uh this is uh this this is kind of how i like to end I, I want to end every episode maybe i'll ditch this if it starts not being that cool but uh so this is kind of uh I, I imagine that this will be hosted forever like there will always be a way to listen to whatever you know if i end up doing five episodes mm-hmm. of this you know then that's it but like Hosted forever is something that should always be there. So, without thinking too hard about it, if you would, if you could speak something into infinity, whether it be a piece of advice or a or an insult towards me, I don't care what the hell it is. If if it's something that you would love to last forever, what would that be, Stash?
1: Trump 2020.
0: You piece <laughs> of shit. You don't even like Trump. You're just a troll. No, I definitely do. I hate like you it. so much. I don't
1: like Trump. I just think that's a hilarious thing. But I thing respect to speak it. I respect the, world, the
0: fuck out of it. I respect it so much because that's such a troll stash move. That's perfect.
1: No, I God mean, what right. are you supposed to do in the face of something that scares the shit out of you? <laughs> right. Other than ironically pretend to like right.
0: it. Yeah, man. God damn. That's not a bad point.
1: But uh, before we do wrap up completely, I I do want to say something. You mentioned that uh, at the beginning that we used to be arch rivals and I actually considered starting up the rivalry again by coming on and being the world's worst podcast guest and not giving you anything except one word answers and being
0: oh god that would have been a dick move
1: and i decided against it so i would like to say if anyone out there listens to this and thinks that i was a bad guest it was completely by accident i was not (laughs) 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 that was just me bombing
0: i think you're a great guest uh sash and um you know hopefully this thing stays alive so i could have you back on in the future Uh, With that said, we're all done with this episode. Thanks a lot for, uh, for listening, folks. As always, drink more water and be nicer to each other.